I'm excited, you know, pastors get excited about weird things. I love the start of a new sermon series. I always get excited about sharing new ideas and the study that I've been uh, engaged in and been working in uh, to be able then to share that with you. And we're starting a new series uh, this week, and I'm excited about it. It's a great series to begin the year with. It's titled By Faith. And we're going to be looking at a chapter of Scripture where that phrase, by faith, pops up again and again and again, as you'll hear today. And the idea is that we want to begin the year and we want to move through 2019 by faith. We want to move through individually and personally by faith. And as a family, as your family and your household or, or in your extended family, moving through the year, walking by faith, living by faith, and as a church family, as Linwood Wesleyan Church, that we would begin the year and be intentionally focused on moving through 2019 as a people of faith, as a people of faith. You may remember in the fall we started beginning, uh, began talking about some new language around mission and vision and core values, and we've been living with that for a while, and this is a good time to remind you of the things that, that we came together as a people and felt like God was calling us to be about in the next season of life here at Linwood, and, and so those are things like, like being intentionally focused on reaching people for Christ, reaching people for Christ, whether they're in your neighborhood or your workplace or your extended family. Uh, that we want to be a people that are reaching others for Christ. And once we reach them for Christ, the second step of our mission is to give them a place to belong. When they walk through those doors, they find a welcoming place, a place to belong. And then we walk into a small group setting or a Bible study setting or a Sunday school class setting that they find a place that they say, I belong there. I belong there. And the third element of that mission statement is that, that it would be a place where people grow in their faith, that Linwood would be a place where we're growing. So we reach people for Christ, we give them a place to belong, and we help them grow in their faith. As we do that, we will be and increasingly become that family of families that we desire to be, and a family of healthy, a healthy family of families. And so this week we're going to kick off the series. Each week we'll look at some elements that are present in Hebrews chapter 11, things that we do by faith. So we'll look at themes like, by faith we endure difficulties. Any of you ever have to endure difficulty? Do you find that that's easier to do by faith or completely divorced from your faith? In my experience, when I endure difficulty by faith and I trust in God, that difficulty is endured differently, and it actually seeks to grow my faith or serves to grow my faith. So that's one that we'll look at. We'll look at by faith we bless others, that we choose not to only be an end unto ourselves, but we choose to bless others, and when we do that, we do it by faith. We say that it's not all about me, that this world has other people in it, and that we choose to bless others by faith. Also, we'll look at being made perfect by faith. How many of you would like to be perfect? How many of you think you're already there? Good. This week, we're going to look at by faith, we look to the future. As we begin this new year, we're going to intentionally look to the future by faith. By faith. By faith, we look to the future. On the screen behind me is going to be a picture of a windshield. And most of you are familiar with this site. If you've driven or or drive on a regular basis, you've probably noticed, maybe you haven't specifically paid attention to it or thought deeply about it, but have you ever noticed that the windshield is much larger than the rearview mirror? That's probably a good thing, isn't it? 
And yet I think there's a little lesson for life that we need to be looking to the future and fixing our eyes upon what's in front of us, what's ahead of us, not just what's behind us. Yet it's very easy to go through life looking at that rearview mirror, looking at the past, looking at, at something that hurt us, someone who hurt us, a broken relationship, a betrayal, something that didn't go the way we wanted it to. And I don't know what 2018 held for you. Some of you might look back over it and say, man, it was a phenomenal year. We grew in our faith. We grew in our relationships. Everything was positive. Everything was good. We grew financially. We were in better physical health at the end of the year than we were at the beginning of the year. But as I talk to people, I know that that's not always the case, that many of you had challenges and difficulties in 2019. And as you look back, or 2018, as you look back over that year, you maybe think of someone you said goodbye to before you were ready to say goodbye to. You may look at a a relationship that that ended badly, or you might look at a, a diagnosis that you received that wasn't what you were hoping for. And so it's easy to get fixed on the rear view mirror to the exclusion of all that lies ahead of us. And so by faith, we want to look to the future. Just imagine if your front windshield was a mirror that showed you what was behind you, and there was just that one little section that you could see out of it. Even if it was right in front of your eyes, that's not a, a, not a recipe for a, a safe trip across town, is it? We have to make sure that we keep our eyes open to what God has in front of us because the Bible tells us over and over and over again that the, the righteous... The people in right standing with God will walk by faith. They will walk by faith. And moving forward by faith is inherent in Scripture. So we have to keep our eyes up. We have to keep looking forward and stop occasionally, pull over to adjust the mirror and do some introspection. Examine yourself. Don't be like the lady that I passed going across town one day that had the rearview mirror over and she was doing her, her eyeliner and her mascara and all of that going down 57th Street at 45 miles an hour. I thought, boy, that's, that's just not a good idea. We do need to stop every now and then and say, God, search me and know me. Examine me. Show me if there's anything that needs to change. And then we get moving again and we move forward by faith into the future. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start and end this series by reading the entire chapter. I've been growing in this conviction that, that we shouldn't just spend three or four seconds on a sound bite of Scripture every time we come together, but occasionally we should take a whole chunk of Scripture in. We did this often in the Go, Come and See series where we would look at a whole chapter of John's Gospel, and I love doing that. So I want to do that here today. I want to read Hebrews chapter 11. Usually I tell you, have the Bible open. And if you're already turning to page 1874 of your pew Bibles, good for you. That's great. But I'm going to encourage you to sit back and listen today. And just let the words come in. And maybe think, as you do, what are the things that you have done by faith? What are the, if this was your story, if you were going to write out 45 verses or 43 verses of Scripture about your life and the things that you had done by faith, what would you write? And what would your faith story be? I want to encourage you to think about that over the next few weeks as we look at this series together. So I'm going to read from the New International Version, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, and I'll throw on the first few verses of chapter 12 because I really believe that they fit with what we're talking about here. And I want to encourage you to sit back and listen to this. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. 
By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world because of, and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was well past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of Israel, of the Israelites from Egypt, and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated among the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? 
I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, and lived in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what was promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us, would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Don't you love God's word? Don't you feel encouraged and strengthened by this great cloud of witnesses, both here in this room and the great cloud of witnesses, the saints from centuries past that are watching and cheering us on and encouraging us to live and to walk by faith. I want to work back through that and look at a few verses in particular. And so I would encourage you to keep the Bible open in front of you. We'll put some of these on the screen as well. But verse 1 is really important that we understand what the author is talking about, what God is speaking about in Hebrews 11 when he talks about faith. And when he says, by faith, he defines this, this faith as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I originally memorized that in the New King James Version, which says faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. They're saying the same thing. But with faith and through faith, we can have confidence in what we hope for, not what we wish for. There's a big difference between hope, which is secure in Jesus Christ, and wishful thinking. We interchange the two words, but they have very, very different meanings. And the biblical promise of hope and the hope that we have in Christ is very different than the things that we wish for today. And faith is also with it. It's not just the assurance of what we hope for, being sure of what we hope for, but it's also the certainty or the assurance that it will happen, that we will spend eternity with Christ, that when we put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ It is well-placed in him, and that the promises will come true. This word that we translate as faith in our modern translations is the Greek word pistis, or some variation of that word. And it's on the screen behind you because it has a number of different meanings. And, And when you think about faith, you might think about it in a number of different areas or a number of different ways. But this Greek word that we're translating as faith also means belief. It means trust. It means confidence. It means fidelity or faithfulness, and it means to be persuaded beyond doubt, to be persuaded that what we have put our faith in is valid and true, 
and is right for us to do that. That is what we're talking about with faith. I remember the pastor that I kind of grew up on and came to faith under would define it this way. He'd say it's to rely upon, cling to, and trust in. To rely upon, cling to, and trust in. I always had an image of holding on to a rope. You're, you're clinging to that with all your hope, with all your faith, that it will hold strong. To rely upon, cling to, and trust in. And that is what we do by faith. Habakkuk 2.4 says that the righteous shall live by faith. And this is quoted a couple of times in the New Testament. Paul says it a little differently in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes we think that if we have any doubts whatsoever, that our faith must be weak. But faith isn't opposed to doubt. Faith is opposed to sight in these scriptures. Faith is opposed to seeing and knowing. In fact, if we walk by faith, that implies that we have put our trust in something we can't see. Because the definition that we're looking at here today is that faith is confidence in what we hope for or certainty in what we do not see. So it's not that we try to remove all doubt because to remove all doubt would be to have certainty. And it doesn't say that the righteous walk by certainty. It says that the righteous walk by faith, by faith. And so I want to encourage you, when doubts come along, don't use that doubt to doubt your faith, to doubt what you believe. Instead, turn that doubt upon itself. Doubt your doubt and feed your faith. Doubt the things that you doubt and argue with them from a faith perspective. And go into the scriptures and go into your Bible study and go into your small group and say, here's a doubt that I'm struggling with. Can we work on this together? And then you'll be feeding your faith, and you'll be moving forward in faith. Verse 6 tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. That without faith it is impossible to please God. This is how important faith is in the divine setup of the world. And in our relationship with Him, we desire to please God. We will do so by faith, by faith. Because without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's what scripture tells us. When it talks about belief, it's the same word. It's the same word. It's the same Greek word, pistis. To believe God and to have faith in God are the same thing. And yet, the specific use here in verse 6 is a present active participle in God's existence. It's believing actively. Faith is not an event. Coming to faith may be an event that you point to, but living by faith is not an event that you do one time. It's something you do day in and day out. That's why it says that the righteous will live by faith. The just will walk by faith because we do it day in and day out by faith. We choose to put our hope and our trust and our belief in Christ and in the person of Jesus Christ and live by that. There's a big difference in Believing that God exists or believing in God. You'll hear people say, oh, I believe in God. There's a big difference between believing God and believing, I'm sorry, believing in God and believing God. I didn't say that quite right, and I'm a little frustrated about it right now. There's a big difference between saying, I believe in God and actually believing God in every moment of your day. And taking him at his word and believing not only that he exists, but that the pursuit of God is its own blessing, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God reveals himself 
initially in Scripture to Moses by saying, I am that I am. That's the name that God gives himself, the great I am. I am that I am. And what that means is, I am presently and actively happening. I am eternal in each direction. I am without beginning or end. I am. That is the God that we believe in. That is the God that we trust in. He is not created, and he is not temporary. He is eternal. And when we put our faith and our trust in him, we live and walk by faith. One author that I really like, her name is Alicia Britt Scholey, and she writes this simple little phrase, faith is a duet. Faith is a duet. Faith is walking with God daily, interacting with him through prayer, through his word, through fellowship with other people. Verse 10 tells us that, that those who live by faith, those who live by faith, look to the future. We're given this example of Abraham getting up and leaving his home, leaving where he was established and going to a place that God would show him. He didn't even know the final destination when he took off. But we're told he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He was looking forward. He was moving forward by faith. Not by sight, not having it all figured out, but moving forward and walking by faith. He was looking forward to the future. Faith allows us to look forward to a reward instead of demanding it in the here and now. Reason and logic would say, no, you get things all kind of squared away and secured and get a contract and get insurance on the contract and, and have all your ducks in a row and have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted. That's, that's what reason says. Faith says we can follow God into the uncertainty. We can look forward to our reward, to our heavenly award, reward, which makes everything else that the earth has to offer pale in comparison. We forget that sometimes. Faith allows us to practice a little delayed gratification. We don't have to have it our way right away, right now. Even though all the marketing that we are surrounded with screams the opposite to us. Get yours and get it now and get as much as you can and keep it for as long as you can. And this pokes some holes into the prosperity gospel. Maybe you've heard it, whether it's a televangelist or, or some of the books that are available and those types of things. If you do this and you just have enough faith then you'll be blessed. And if you sow $1,000 into this ministry, you'll get $10,000 back. And if you sow $100,000 in, you'll get a million back. And, and it's this immediate. It comes right away. It comes right away. But over and over in Hebrews 11, we see that those who walk by faith did not receive what was hoped for. They only saw it and longed for it from a distance. But they lived by faith. They put their trust and their hope in God. And this goes against what our culture is screaming at us 24-7 that you ought to have it now, that you ought to get it all right now. But God says, no, live by faith. There is a reward. There is an eternal reward that far surpasses anything that we can understand or expect. And if we're not careful, we turn living by faith into some sort of an arrangement that we set up with our heavenly father, our heavenly bellhop, that as long as, as you meet my needs and as long as things turn out okay, then I'll follow you and I'll serve you. But as soon as the tide turns... I'll find a different worldview. I'll find a different savior and I'll put my faith and my trust in that. And that is not what we see playing out in the pages of scripture from those who walk by faith, who live by faith. I also want to look at verses 13 through 16 and read these again because I think these might be the central few verses or the central passage in this, in this chapter. Maybe this series, definitely this message Verse 13 tells us that all these people were still living by faith when they died. 
They didn't, they didn't live by faith for a while and get everything that they had hoped for. They were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. We've got to come back to this. As the people of God, we have to remember that we are aliens and strangers here on earth. This is not our permanent residence. We were made for heaven. We are going through earth to get there. This is not our home. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own, for a final destination. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. And so will you. If you step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you receive the grace and forgiveness that he offers by paying the penalty for your sins, and you accept him as Lord of your life, and you start trying to follow him, you're going to have opportunities to go back to the old way of life. You're going to have opportunities to leave the promised land, just like the Israelites were tempted to do, and go back to the slavery of Egypt. You're going to have those opportunities. But we live by faith when we say, no, there is nothing behind me that is better than what's before me. Faith believes that the best is yet to come, and that with God, the best is always yet to come. And promises, some of the rock-solid promises of Scripture, like Romans 8.28, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. We believe that. We don't have to see it to know that it's true, to know that someday all things will be worked together for good, even cancer, even betrayal, even divorce. God can work these things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes when we live by faith and we follow him by faith and we trust that what is ahead is better than what is behind. Because they were longing, verse 16, for a better country, for a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them, a place for them, a place forever. We get too comfortable here. We get too focused here. We get too focused on the little shiver or sliver of, of life in the context of eternity. And by faith, we look to the future. By faith, we look to eternity. And we don't get so focused on the here and the now. Final verses of chapter 11 say that that God is planning something better. Verse 39 and 40. And these can be kind of the confusing passages. You're like, what's going on with the people behind and the people ahead? And I believe when he says these, all these people that he's talked about were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the Christ that's available to us. Because God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. That Christ brings us together. Christ has been called the hinge of history. That everything in the Old Testament, all the people who lived by faith up until the point of Jesus coming, Christ unites them to all those people who are living by faith following the coming of Christ, following the resurrection, following the conquering of sin and death that God has done on our behalf. And we receive the Holy Spirit to empower us and to enable us and to help us move forward by faith into an eternity with him. And so then verses 1 through 3 of chapter 12, some of my all-time favorite verses in all of Scripture say, in light of all of this, that's what the therefore means in verse 1. Therefore, in light of all that we've just looked at in Hebrews chapter 11, therefore, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, both in the here and now, and the saints that have gone before us, 
let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. We throw off the sin that so easily entangles. We throw off everything that would hinder us. And we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who begins it, who initiates it, who writes it into being. And he is the one who perfects it, who brings it to completion, who brings it to fruition. We fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He looked forward. He looked ahead. He looked forward by faith. Endured the cross, despised his shame, scorned his shame, is now seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. That's what we fix our eyes on. We fix our eyes on heaven, not on the things around us. Yes, we have to live. Yes, we have to have relationships. We have to interact with people. But we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus in every circumstance, in every situation. Because he kept his eyes on the joy that was set before him. That as he endured the cross, as he endured the beatings, as he endured the shame that was supposed to go with that, he scorned that shame. He put that to the side. He fixed his eyes on heaven and on the joy that was set before him. And that's our bottom line today. Our bottom line today is that we keep our eyes on the right prize by faith. This world is clamoring all around us, trying to distract us, trying to get our eyes off of Jesus. We have an enemy who works 24-7 to get our eyes off of Jesus. And every time we bring them back to Jesus and lock them in on Jesus, we're living by faith. We're looking forward by faith. And we get our eyes on the right prize by faith. Because Jesus kept his eyes on the prize, which was your life, which was your soul. By faith. By faith. There's a passage in Isaiah 55 that I just love. It just came to mind. But it says, when he sees what his suffering has accomplished, he will be satisfied. He will be satisfied. If you've ever seen a movie like The Passion of Christ that brings into reality, visually, what Christ suffered on our behalf, a verse that says, when he sees what his suffering has accomplished, he will be satisfied takes on a whole new meaning. That the redemption of your soul was worth it. And so today can be a day, if you've never made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, today can be a day that you look to the future by faith, that you put your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ. You say, I'm going to rely upon, cling to, and trust in Jesus Christ for the payment of my sins. It doesn't have to separate me from God. It doesn't have to put me out of his sight for eternity. That I can experience grace, I can experience forgiveness in the here and now through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, then today can be the day of your salvation. Today can be the day that you accept the gift that you move forward by faith. And that's my hope and my prayer for you if you're here today and you've never done that. It can also be a day where you make a fresh commitment, a fresh start, a fresh decision to move forward by faith this year, to not let the things of this world distract you and take your eyes off of Jesus, but instead to fix your eyes on Jesus and to say, God, you have brought my faith into being. You're the author of my faith. Now be the perfecter of my faith and put your hand in his and say, God, perfect my faith this year. However you choose to do it, we'll go through it together. We'll do this life together. Today can be the day that you make a fresh commitment. Maybe you want to take a step of baptism or a step of getting involved in, in a group, in a, in a Bible study. and Whatever the case, whatever the Holy Spirit's whispering in your ear and saying, you know, we've been talking about this for a while. 
Today's the day. I want you to respond in faith. I say that at the end of almost every message that I hope you'll respond to God's word in faith because by faith, we respond to God's word and we take the next step, whatever the next step may be, salvation, baptism, service, stewardship, whatever God is saying to you today, respond in faith to him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this chapter of scripture that points us to you so powerfully and gives us examples of the people who have gone before us and the faith that they have lived out in front of us. Help us, Lord, to be a people of faith. Help us to write our own by faith story with you through the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to respond in faith to you right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.